welcome to Populist. Hey, we're back after a little time away. It's episode 39, and with me is somebody who wedged between Maryland and Virginia. He's the guy who puts the low in love. It's my buddy, Kirk Trutner. Hey, Kirk, how are you? Well, let, let's correct something right here. I, I'm not wedged between Maryland and Virginia. I'm actually deep in Virginia. Whoa, triple X, triple X show. Welcome to the love song show, folks. <laughs> bow, chicky, <Yay>. bow, bow. <laughs> well, uh, we meant to do this about a month ago, uh, as everybody knows. We instead we did our little uh, our bonus relook at uh, romantic or rom com movies, which was a good episode for us. And it's because uh, unfortunately you were away, and because your dad passed away, which uh, most of our listeners know by now, and uh, we we're. Still very sorry about that, but we are so glad to see you again. So glad to have you back. Uh, the world is right when you're here. Oh, thank you. And, um, you know, he was my best friend. And, you know, you were lucky enough or we were lucky enough to spend time together, you and I and he and going to Giants games and just spending yep. time together. And, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, for those of you who have lost a parent or both parents, um, I, I understand it's it's uh, it's a void. But you know what? We were lucky we had them for as long as we did. Mm-hmm. I was lucky that I had him for as long as I did. So um, while I do miss him every single day, I also know he's in a better place. He's with family that have gone before us. And, uh, you know, one day we'll, we'll, we'll play another round of golf and have another beer. Uh, so yeah. thank you again for the kind words. And, and he loved what we are doing here on Populous. So, so let's, uh, let's do a show he can be proud of. Yeah, very much so. He was uh, very much a renaissance man, and he uh, was very much a romantic at heart, too. And so let's just go ahead and dedicate this episode to him, because I agree with you. I think he he, he does like the show, but I think he would like this topic as well. So this one is for Tom Trudner. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, what did you think about this topic? I mean, <laughs> it was a little overwhelming. I started just going through my iTunes library and everything and pulling things going, oh, yeah, good love song, good love song, good love song. Not so good, but most of it. I had 152 songs on my starter list. Yikes. And then I whittled it down in steps, and then I literally still had 14 songs on my list for over two weeks until I could get it to the final 10. Seriously, I was in the same boat you were. Um, I finally had to, to look at a way of looking at them. Yeah. to help me kind of bring it into focus and decide the direction I wanted to go. And and that helped out, but that still doesn't mean that I didn't leave off dozens of great love songs. Yeah. And I wanted to look at love from all different angles. It's not just the smoke gets in your eyes. I'm in love with you. You're in mm-hmm. love with me. Let's walk to the end of the aisle kind of thing. I think love exists in a number of different ways. And I decided I wanted to try and represent different kinds of love with this list. Now I'm worried. Well, we're not talking about bestiality. So the word barnyard doesn't come into anything here? You try rhyming the word barnyard. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so what about you? What 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 was what was your guiding principle on this one? I'm I'm a hopeless romantic at heart, always have been, always will be. Um the sappier and more syrupy a song is, the more I probably get hooked in. I'm, I'm a complete sap. Um, for my list, though, I tended to like songs that start slow, have that big build of emotion. I like the emotion part. Uh, Got to say duets. 
they kind of got extra credit points in my book um, because here you ha- have the subject of love and you've got both sides of this story represented and they're, you know, usually talking to each other or about each other and which makes for more emotion and everything. And so that's great in my part. Um, and what can I say? I love movies as we all know. And a lot of these songs are so good that they've been featured in films or they were used so well in films that their effectiveness was raised in my mind, you know? And so it, it plays off each other. But what I did find is there aren't a whole lot of newer songs. I think that kind of these songs kind of have to stand the test of time a little more. I don't have a lot of things from the past 10 years or even the past 20 years on my list. Yeah, I would agree. I think we do have some similarities. I've got I've got a number of songs that have been used in movies over and over and over yeah. and <laughs> over again. Because um, they're and, good. And I, I'm, I will... I will stand on my soapbox and say that's because they're good songs, mm-hmm. you know, not because they're being overused in any way, shape or form. You, you mentioned sappy and romantic and all that. I, I tended to steer away from that. I, I wanted to go for a little bit more true love emotion on some of mine. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm looking at different kinds of love and, and more straightforward songs rather than, you know, the smoke gets in your eyes kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh not that those are bad songs. i mean I-, I will take sappy love songs for 200 alex any day in my life they're fun but for this list I-, I really wanted to look at at maybe some unexpected songs as well yeah 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 all right well this sounds interesting and uh i hear what you're saying but smoke gets in your eyes which i do love did not make my list which i was kind of surprised going into this i thought oh that has a good chance it didn't I don't even think it made it past the third cut. So anyway. <laughs> so what other songs did not make your list? Unlisted. Uh, you will not see on my list. Um, a Thousand Years by Christina Perry, which was featured in the uh, Twilight movies. Uh, you will not see Open Arms by Journey, one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite rock bands. Uh, you will not see My Heart Will Go On from Titanic by Celine Dion. Nor will you hear any songs that Frank Sinatra sang. Oh, well, he sang so many of them, but Frank, I think Frank had more of a self-love thing than a true reflection of <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> you are so lucky he's dead or the boys would be coming after you at this point in time. Oh God, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, great unlisted, my enlisted here are songs you're not going to hear on mine. And that will include uh, The First Time I Ever Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack, This Magic Moment, uh, and two songs that I think are going to draw your ire. And that is Something by The Beatles. Wow. And Unchained Melody by The Righteous Brothers. They will not be appearing on my list. We're not going traditional here, kids. If you want traditional, find that other podcast. Of the four songs you mentioned... One of them is on my list, but it may not be the one you think. Oh, I know it's the one I think. Something tells me I know. We'll see. Tune in. Stay tuned. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that brings us to the over-under. And on the over-under, it is Kirk's turn to set our numbers for our common matches and our exact matches. Kirk, what do you think? All right, so our our common matches, as we all know, are the same items 
appear on the list, just not in the same spot. That's then right. the exact matches have to be the exact spots. So your number three has to be my number three. So we'll start with the uh, common matches. I'm going to say the over-under on this is 0.5. Damn. Well, okay, I have to take the over, so I will. Because <laughs> there is no under, really. Um, you don't have to. Well, it's... I mean, let, the, something we should have gotten out front, too, is this is going to be the most subjective list that you and I have ever done. True, but still. And the most wide open You're, list you're still like done. saying, who's going to win the Masters? Tiger Woods after he got the ain't beat out of him by his wife or the field? I'm going to take the field. You'll take the field? Okay. So I'll take I'll take over. You'll take over. Okay. I think you're right. I, there's one song I, I have in my mind that I think we may both have. Exact matches? Man, this is like a lottery win if we get this. I'm going to say the over-under on exact matches is 0.5 as well. I'll take the under on that one. And America gasps. Yeah. No big suspense there. All right. So we are not yeah. anticipating very many matches to start with and definitely no exact matches. We shall see. But that's a good thing. I think we're going to get a lot of good stuff out here today. I do. Um, I got to say, in all honesty, when I was just making this list, I'm going, you know, in reality, I could just make a list with nothing but uh, Neil Diamond, Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, and Lionel Richie. <laughs> I, could have, I could justify a list like that. I'm not going to do it, but I could have. It's like... It's so sick how some of these guys are so prolific at some of these things. But uh, anyway, let's move on, shall we? Number 10. My number 10 is the memorable love song from A Star is Born. But no, not Shallow. I'm talking about the 1976 version with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson and their love song, Evergreen. This song is a beautiful intro. It's uh, it's classic Streisand, uh, who is one of my favorite female vocalists. She's uh, as talented as they get. This song talks about a perfect love. It's easy, strong, ageless, evergreen. It's an easy song to like. It's a beautiful melody. Uh, it's about two bright lights of personalities coming together for one love. And it's one of those songs that just kind of sweeps you away. And if you've seen the movie, it brings you into the powerful montage of their their love and their their consummating of their love and the of them coming together and the bond becoming so strong. Great reflective song of what's happening in the movie. Beautiful song on its own. Evergreen's my number 10. Interesting. I will freely admit that never crossed my mind. <laughs> there we go. We're off to a good start on that aspect then. Oh man, we are going to be we are going to be on disparate paths on this one. Yes, we are. Uh, my number ten is is from a great album by Van Morrison, uh, released in 1987, uh, called "Poetic Champions Compose." Um, it is one of my favorite Van albums, and the song I'm going to choose from it is a song called "Someone Like You." As we talked about at the top of the show, this is a song that that many of our listeners may have heard in films like. Only the Lonely, Prelude to a Kiss, or a French Kiss, One Fine Day, uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, strangely enough, American Sniper. Uh, but this is this is a song, as I said, I was looking for different kinds of love. And this is about yearning. This is, you know, lyrics like, I've been searching a long time for someone exactly like you. This is a story of someone who has been looking for something. 
who is who has finally found it. It is is grateful that they found this love. Um, you know, someone like you makes it all worthwhile. This is a song that honestly reminds me of my significant other, Jill. I was single for a very, 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 very long time. And when I finally found that person, that that one that made me complete, my North Star, you know, this is the song that I thought of quite a bit, that I was finally finding that person, someone like you. And so this is a song that has always resonated with me. You know, someday it'll happen to me. And when it finally did, and I've got this person, that's what just made it all complete. This song would have been higher on my list, except for the fact I wanted to get this point out very early on in the show. I just wanted to to call out my significant other and and let her know how much she means to me. And, and this song really calls out that as well. So number 10, but much higher in my heart, is Someone Like You, Van Morrison. Nice choice. You covered all your bases. And Jill... I saw him first. Just saying. All right. She's a good one. She's a great one. I like her too. Uh. (laughs) 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 All right. That brings us on to number nine. Kirk Trudner, what is your number nine? My number nine song, you know, we can almost agree there's there's a ton of Beatles songs that you could you could put in into this top 10. It could be Michelle, it could be Northern Wood, it could be you know as as innocent and simple as I want to hold your hand. But for my number 9, I've chosen the song from the 1965 album Rubber Soul and that's the song In My Life. Nice. This is a song that is about a reflective love. Again, I'm looking for different kinds of love. This has always spoken to me as a song about somebody who's looking back at their life as long or as short as it may have been at that point in time for somebody like like John Lennon, who was reflecting on the things that meant a lot to him. In my life, I've loved them all. That could be people, it could be places, it could be things. This is a reflective kind of love. And it, it, this is one of those songs that has always haunted me in the best way possible. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs. It's a very simple Beatles song. I think in a lot of ways, maybe I'm wrong, it's an overlooked Beatles song. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it is is easily one of their 10 best, you know, as we did our Beatles list before, and it made my top 10. Um, but In My Life, I think, is just a, a beautiful, beautiful love song. Yes. And I would say, with the exception of the song Imagine, perhaps, it's John Lennon's best work. It's a, it's a fabulous song. Great song. Nice choice. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. I may feel a little embarrassed by the end of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Um, My number nine is the song Mandy by Barry Manilow. He recorded 1974. It was originally written in 1971 by Richard Kerr and Scott English, two UK artists, and it was called Brandy. Um, It's... It's not that great of a version. Barry took it, and because of Looking Glass's song, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, he said, well, I can't have that, so I'm going to change it to Mandy, and he put the Barry Manilow touches on it, and it's fantastic. Uh, So many love songs are about a love that's lost and the realization of how great things were, you know, and wanting to get it back, and this is one of those songs. Um, It's one of the quintessential love songs of the late 70s 
through the early 80s. It was played on the radio all the time, and Barry Manilow is equated with love songs. That's just what he did. Um, great build, great lyrics, uh, things that I love in a song. Uh, it's describing an empty man who gave up his great chance at love and the perfect person for him and his regret about it and his reevaluating his decision of wanting to get back. But it's done the way that Barry Manilow does. Uh, this, this song right here, that's one of those ones I was describing when I'd meet a new girl in junior high or high school. I'd, I'd play Mandy on the radio or on my stereo nonstop. Yeah, it's Mandy, number nine. <laughs> I gotta admit, I like Brandy. It's a she. You're a fine girl, a little bit better than Mandy. Oh, but they made a me. good choice. Not even close. Hey, who's still performing? Looking Glass or Barry Manilow? I saw the poster in the Burbank Airport. Barry Manilow's still performing, so you win this one. I don't know if you've ever been to a Barry Manilow concert, but uh, I have. Our buddy at the Universal Amphitheater back in the day, Mike O'Neill, when he used to float you and I tickets on occasion to you know go see a show here and there. Oh, God bless him. I know, right? And Barry Manilow. Talk about a dude who's got control of his audience and reads the crowd. Oh, my Lord. And there was... The soap opera watching crowd, there was all different types of watching. They were just all equally invested in Barry, and it was a good show, got to say. Good show. Don't don't know if I feel the same way nowadays, but back in the 80s, it was pretty great. I'll bet. I mean, like I said, he, yeah. he's still got a residence in Vegas in 2023. Obviously, you know, <laughs> the magic is still exists. Yeah, but like like Elton John, like a few of the guys, his voice is not the same as it was. It's, you know, McCartney. It, it's what makes Steven Tyler a freak. His voice is still kind of the same. But all these, all those other old guys, are. <laughs> it's a little different now. There's a lot of things that make Steven Tyler a freak. Let's just not <laughs> narrow it down to the voice. <laughs> In a good way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, so great. <laughs> all right. Mandy was my number nine. Moving on. Number eight. Number eight is one of these songs that, man, this is comfort food of long love songs for me. And this singer is a comfort food of singers. I adore her. I love everything about her. I honestly love her. And that's Olivia Newton-John with her song, I Honestly Love You. Written by Peter Allen, who's also a great talent in 1974, uh, but she took it over and she made it so much better. No offense, Peter. Uh, Olivia took it to new heights. She uh, was one of the female artist icons in the 70s and 80s, probably the almost the direct female opposite to Barry Manilow. She was, she was that big. Um, her vocals, emotions, and sincerity in the song just make this song great. Uh like I said, I love her to start with. The song should make everyone love her if they hear it. She's uh, already missed uh, from her passing, uh, but the song is a great legacy. It's one terrific love song. Like I said, it's a comfort food of love songs for me. I Honestly Love You by Living Newton-John. Like every other male of a certain age, I had a huge crush on Olivia Newton-John. I still do. Right? She, she, was, she, she was not only talented, she was just a good egg. I mean, she she just seemed like she was a she would be a great hang. Yes, you know, easy to easy to sit with. You know, kind of get your glass of wine. Sure, I'll get it. You know, she'd be that kind of person. I'd love to live you, Newton John. Yeah, and if people haven't seen it, go on YouTube and look up her appearance on the Jimmy Fallon show from not too many years ago, 
and she sings You're the One That I Want with Jimmy, who's a quite accomplished musician and singer, as most of us know. Uh, and he turned into that 15-year little boy going, oh, my God, I'm singing the ending song in Greece with Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> and it was, it's one of those moments. It's really cool. It's fun. I honestly think that's Fallon's biggest gift. He's got the ability to be the everyman when he does things like, you know, like that with Olivia Newton-John or he sang Old Man with Neil Young. You know, he's he's kind of being all of us saying, oh, my God, I'm doing this with them. Yeah. Or when he does kind of all those that's what his greatest those gift. homage montage things that he does with Justin Timberlake or Ariana Grande or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. he's really, really good. And having met him, super nice guy. He's really easy to cheer for. Good. He's one of the good people in Hollywood yeah, slash is. New York. He is. So speaking of Neil Young, uh, I'm going to go back to his 1992 album, uh, Harvest Moon, for the title track uh, for my number eight song, which is Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, to me, there's two different Neil Youngs. There's the keep on rocking in the free world, uh, hey, hey, my, my, cinnamon girl Neil Young. And then there is the quiet acoustic Neil Young. Um, I love them both, but the quiet acoustic Neil Young speaks to me more emotionally than, than the rockin' Neil Young. And Harvest Moon is one of those songs. And as I said to begin with, I was looking for different kinds of love. And this is a song that celebrates the longevity of love. This is a song where he's talking to his wife, saying, come a little bit closer the children are sleeping. We could dream this night away. Let's go dancing out under a full moon. This is a celebration of being together 20, 30, 40 years and still being passionately in love with that person that you fell in love with on day one. And I just love the imagery in the song. I love the thought in the song. I love the feeling of the song. I love the idea that, yes, you can make something work for, for many, many years, and it can be better on day 3000 as it was on day one and pitchfork magazine actually wrote something I thought was really cool. They said young Letch's guitar summon a vast distance, which to me expresses the, the length of this love that reverberates through the central riff. The sound seems to conjure eternity and the words do too. And when you're celebrating love in a, that kind of, you know, context, I just think that's awesome. It's a great song. It's a great reflection on love. And it is my number eight. And that is Harvest Moon. Interesting choice. And yeah, I know your love for Neil Young. And this is something you and I've kidded each other a little about over the years. Because Neil is probably the artist that is the biggest divide between us. Um, because I, and it's just mostly, you know, from, I know so little about him other than CSN and why uh, he's just never latched me yet, but I want to learn. I want to learn. And I love the themes that you just described because those themes are right in my ballpark. And so I, I need to hip myself up to this song and, and catch up a little bit. It, it's a, it's a great, it's a great album. I don't know if I'll ever totally embrace Neil Young's rock inside very much. Cause for me, it's just, it doesn't hit as much, but I've already found something in my limited experience with Neil about his more intimate stuff, his acoustic stuff, his more drawn in that is pretty special. So I, I want, I need to learn more. I mean, people will criticize the voice. They'll criticize the song choice. They'll but if you look at the body of work and I'm the same way, 
the 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 rock and Neil does not resonate with me as much as the the acoustic Neil, the gentle Neil. And I, I I just like the way he approaches things in a very simple, straightforward manner. And this is this is one that you know, if you just read the lyrics, the lyrics read like a love letter, mm-hmm. a very simple, sweet love letter. And that's that's what I like about it. Yeah, from what you described, I, I love the thematic quality of that. That's pretty cool. Nice, good choice. Nice, thank you. Well, that brings us to number seven. And I'm sure you have something interesting in store for us for your number seven pick. My number seven is a cover version. If you can cover a big band, the song that I'm going to choose uh, is the Frank Sinatra rendition of the 1939 Glenn Miller classic Moonlight Serenade. Okay, you're almost off the hook here because Moonlight Serenade by Glenn Miller has a very special place in my heart. I can completely understand that. To me, Moonlight Serenade is one of the most enduring songs of all time. And I had, for a number of years, I had only heard the Glenn Miller version of it. And it was one of my favorite songs of all time. And when I finally heard the Sinatra version that had lyrics to it, I don't know how, but it actually became a little bit more vital to me because the 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 imagery that the lyrics bring out i mean the melody is perfect it is a perfect melodic song but when you add lyrics like i stand at your gate and the song that i sing is of moonlight come on you know who's not gonna you know how isn't june allison in 1942 not going to fall for this in some way (laughs) shape or form (laughs) I stand and I wait for the touch of your hand in the June night. The roses are singing a moonlight serenade. It is a perfect our parents love ballad. And if we were open to it, it would be as perfect for us as well. It is an innocent love. If you read the entire lyrics to all of this, and that's the difference to me between the moonlight serenade that everybody knows, which is the Glenn Miller version, which doesn't have lyrics. I yeah. was actually surprised to know that there were lyrics to the song. And yeah. when I dug it up and I heard this version that Sinatra did on Moonlight Sinatra in 1966, when I actually heard it for the first time, I could have sworn this was big band Sinatra when he was still part of a team as opposed to the star performer. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a beautiful, beautiful melding of music and singer. It's a perfect song made even more perfect. There you go. How's that? Moonlight Serenade is my number seven. Wow. Uh, I have read the lyrics. I knew that there were lyrics. Outside of some older female singer or something from back in the day, you know, with Glenn Miller that might have sang it on a rare bootleg recording, uh, I don't think I've heard anything. I definitely did not know that Sinatra sang it. I'm intrigued. I will have to listen to this. Very good. Good poll. It's a it, it's a it's a great tune. If the Glenn Miller version resonates with you, this will equally, if not slightly, surpass it. Yeah. I Moonlight Serenade, I don't know what it's capture. It's kind of like the whole Frankenstein, young Frankenstein thing where they start playing the violin and the monster. It's almost I don't know what I believe about past lives, this, 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 this. But there is something about Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. That just snaps my attention forward. It it there's a hook. I don't know what it is, but wow. So I'm gonna have to check out Sinatra's version. Interesting. I 
I agree. Gary Giddens, who is a, a jazz critic, once wrote, can any other record match Moonlight Serenade for its ability to induce a Pavlovian slobber in so many of us for so long? <laughs> and he's not wrong. Yeah. He wrote that in the New Yorker 2004. And it's true, you know, even 20 years later. Such a, it's a, again, great melody, great song. And when you add the lyrics, which again, I never knew existed, it, it gives it a, a, a whole new warm dimension. Yeah. I, Moonlight Serenade, Hallelujah Chorus. There's, there's, there's a few things that they're just, they're a step above, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. A step above, a step above. Anyway, very cool. Nice. Um, my number seven is not Frank Sinatra, but it's a contemporary of his. And it's somebody who I think has, for me personally, has got one of the most soothing, pleasing, calming, great voices built for love songs. And that is Nat King Cole and his song, Unforgettable. Uh, written by Irving Gordon in 1951. Um, this is the classic love song on my list. Uh, it's definitely the oldest love song on my list. Um, perfected by the voice, the suaveness, the mastery. He, that is Nat King Cole. I love this dude. Uh, like Sinatra, like so many Bing Crosby, so many of the greats back then. Uh, this song also has smart lyrics that just wind their way through the melody with a slickness and a tenderness that just makes you feel the love that he's trying to emote in the song. Uh, it's very smart for back in the day. I think a lot of songwriters nowadays should maybe look back at some of these guys and get a little more hip to what they were doing and incorporate it in their songwriting. It's beautifully done, well-crafted, beautiful voice, sincere as all get out, unforgettable by Nat King. At the top of this, we said, I said, you were going to come up with songs that I'm going to go, damn it. I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> this right? is a thousand percent that song. I'm hearing this. I'm like, damn it. I should have. I, and I remember thinking, oh, I got to get some Nat King Cole in there. And, and again, you go back to the question, what do I drop out? But I mean, Nat King Cole, God, I, I wish the last couple of generations and maybe even including ours could have really heard him because he is the quintessential clean voice. Yes. He is beautiful. The songs that he sang were amazing. Yeah. They were, they were straightforward. They were genuine. They were earnest. They, they were pure. Uh, my dad to continue a theme actually saw Nat King Cole perform at Tahoe in like 52 oh, when he was in high school. Oh, how great would that be? And and said it was just the most amazing thing he'd ever seen in his life. And so I've always had a soft spot. So I can't believe I left Nat King Cole off my list. But thank you for including him. Three of the most pure voices, male voices I've ever heard. Uh, Nat King Cole, Sam Cooke, and Johnny Mathis. Love all three of them. And I bring those three up because they're not <laughs> only this song is on my list, but there's literally nine, 10 songs amongst those guys that were in consideration. It's great stuff. Great call. All right, let's move on. Number six. My number six is Barbara Streisand peeking into my list again. Uh, Lover is a vocalist, and she does love songs so well, and this is the song, The Way We Were. For so many years, this was the 
Streisand song. And it, it may still be. I don't know. It's, it's kind of reflective of her. It's kind of that moniker that go to. Um, in the song from the movie, The Way We Were, that she and Robert Redford uh, starred in, it speaks of that perfect time, that perfect love, the love that was lost, and but still has a strong hold over her memories and probably his, uh, and her memories and her heart. And even today, when you hear the song, for me at least, and guys of our relative age, it conjures up images of that film of her and Redford and that love that was it was it's such a great uh, romance movie a uh, beautiful song iconic song barbara sings it so well it's just one of those things that are just has always been fixed into my lexicon of what are love songs it's the way we were by barbara streisand all right complete disclosure i've never seen the movie really never seen the movie that's okay that's okay i've only seen it twice <laughs> so you've seen it for both of us that's all i needed to know um, and you loved it. <laughs> apparently I did. Uh, obviously, I mean, that this is a song we grew up with. Yeah. This, I mean, when, when did this song come out? Like 76, 77? No, before that. Right in there. So we were, yeah, I, um, no. Yeah, no. 74? Yeah, 74, I think. Yeah. I don't have it written out. It's, 74. It's okay. around there, yeah. All right. 73, 74. I was 13. You were eight, two, somewhere in there. Yes. But to your point, I mean, this song permeated AM radio at that point in time. That's what I was listening yeah. to. FM wasn't a thing at that point. And in trust time. me, it was on FM too. Both stations that were on the air at that point in time. <laughs> um, you know, so I heard this and I, and, and I did appreciate it as a pop song, although I was still trying to balance Barbara Streisand as a Broadway vocalist, you know, female performer and pop artist. You know, I, I still saw those as two separate things in my little 13-year-old pea brain. But I heard the song over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So, you know, it did seep in. It, it is one of those songs that that I will have a, a visceral reaction to. As soon as you hear it, you do think of love and sweet and, and nice and, and tender and, and those lazy, hazy, crazy days of 1974. So I, I can totally appreciate you having this on the list. It's a beautiful song. Uh, I think her vocalizations and her takes on music in general and the way she incorporates her own stamp on it is always smart, always beautiful, very intelligent. Um, and she's, she's just a talent. Well, let's find out what your number six is. All right. My number six, I'm going right down Broadway, no pun intended and <laughs> not that Broadway. I'm talking about one of those Aww. songs that almost everybody puts on their list of great love songs. And that is Etta James at last great song. This is just a pure straightforward. I love you. You love me. Aren't things great. You know, there is smoke. There is fire. There is passion. There is blues. There is power and it's all wrapped up in her performance. You know, at last the skies are blue. My heart is wrapped up in clover. I have met the person I love. I am the happiest person on the planet. Let's get started with our life. It's a great song. It is played at every wedding on the planet because it is that song. I am signed, sealed, delivered. Another great love song to you, my partner. 
and Etta, Etta is going to seal the deal for us. At last, it's a great tune. You can listen to it as a love song. You can listen to it as a great blues song. It is just a great tune that happens also to be a great love song. At last, Etta James. I'm so glad you had this on your list. Um, this will be on my unlisted honorable mention at the end. Um, oh, like you said, if we could have easily done a top 15, top 20, and it would have been on my list then. Um, top 100. It's Well, yeah. yeah. But why is Etta James and this song in particular not ranked up with the Aretha Franklin, the Lena Horns, the, you know, some of the greats in the industry that she kills this song. It is so sultry. It oh, is yeah. so heartfelt. It is so singularly and uniquely hers. I can't think of anybody else doing this song. I love this song. Great choice. I agree. All right. But I'll, but I'll ask the question. You, you mentioned Aretha. Who else did you mention? Aretha, who else? Lena Horn. Lena Horn, exactly. Okay. Here's my question. Name one other Etta James song. I know. But you know what? But my 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 larger point is I don't think yeah. she had the broader popular. I mean, you know, if you know Etta James, you love Etta James, you got the albums. I'm just saying if you know Lena Horn, if you know, you know, other singers, they've got a broader body of work that were for whatever reason more popular than Etta. At that point in time, I think Etta is incredibly respected as a performer, but in terms of that larger legacy kind of thing, yeah, she had such a a, a, a supernova with At Last. It was it, it's hard to kind of you know build out the the career from that. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's it's well taken, and who knows how the industry works and why it works the way it does. Uh, her talent sure wasn't the reason. Um, I've heard other Edda James songs and the lady can bring it. She is good. Oh God. Yes. No, no. She, she's one of those performers, you know, like a Billie holiday doesn't get nearly the, yeah. the love that Billie holiday should get. And there's probably a couple of Billie holiday songs that go on here as well. Yeah. Billy, you know, Billie holiday is a great comparison. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Billie deserves all the accolades she got, but damn it. I thought Edda, I thought Edda deserved more. Anyway, I, 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 I don't disagree. All right. Moving on. Uh, we're one away from our Mount Rushmore, which brings us to number five. That was a good call for your number six. What are you going to dazzle us with for your number five? My number five is from what I consider to be this artist's real first album. Now, he released an album called Empty Sky in 1969. It, and if anybody has it in their collection, even if they're a big fan, I'd be surprised. So this would be the first song off of what I consider to be his first album, his true second album. But my number five is Your Song by Elton John. Nice choice. If you think about this being the first song off of his first album, he just hit a grand slam with nobody on bass. Yep. I mean, this is one of the greatest songs Elton ever did. And one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. And it was the first song off of his quote unquote first album. It is sweet. It is pure. It is innocent. It is all about, hey, if I was a sculptor, but then again, no, you know, how, how can I win this girl? How can I win this person? How can I win? How, how can I 
find how can I make this work? And it's just such a sweet offering. And we have loved this song. God, I hate to say this more than 50 years because this album was released in 1970. So don't feel old out there, kids. I know. But Elton John and your song and songs like Tiny Dancer, which should have made my list as well. You know, these are these are wonderful, wonderful songs. And again, I'm looking for songs of different types of love. This is an innocent love. This is this is the guy trying to go on his first date. This is the guy trying to win that that girl over. Th- these are the two shy people trying to find each other. This is Elton John at his best. The the piano is magical. The lyrics are phenomenal. The performance is good. So your song by Elton John is my number five. I love the song. I think of all the Elton songs, with maybe the exception of uh, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" and just from. <laughs> A personal weird place, uh, Crocodile Rock. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> this is Elton's best song. Um, I'm sorry. I love Crocodile Rock. What What can I say? <laughs> um, it's okay. It's. I have other Elton songs on the broader list. Uh, Candle in the Wind was in there. Uh, Blue Eyes. Considered. You know he he. Elton's so multifaceted. Uh, he doesn't stick to any one thing. You can't say he's like Barry Manilow, who just does love songs really well, or Lionel Richie, or whatever, Barbara Streisand. Elton does so many things well. Um, and God, your song is the one that came really close. Uh, I don't think I even have it on my honorable mention, which is probably a mistake, but it was really close on my list. Good choice. Love this song. What do you got, my friend? What is your number five? My number five is the song that I mentioned before is the one from your unlisted and it is not the Beatles song, something that you thought it was going to be. It is the righteous brothers song unchained melody from 1965. It was also recorded by Elvis and others, but this version is the one that sticks with you. The passion and the haunting melody was used so effectively as the love theme for the movie ghost. Uh, which is maybe why Kirk doesn't have it on his list. See what I did there, though? Haunting Melody, Ghost. Thank you very much. Um, you, you're you're spooky. <laughs> or I can see right through you. One of the two. <laughs> um, it talks about being separated from your love and the longing for the eventual reunion. It's It's something that goes down to a lot of people's core because a lot of people have been in that situation and any soldier that's been overseas, you know, any, whatever you the reason for your separation, the longing to get back is so prevalent. And the song is heartfelt. It's powerful. The vocals are great. They feel it. I buy it. Syrupy, sappy, big build meets <laughs> check, check, check. It's great. Unchained melody, righteous brothers for me, not for Kirk. But for me, number five. You know, that is a song that is the quintessential love song. Um, I wanted to put it on my list. I really did. Uh, And it was on there, but it kind of got bumped down, bumped down, bumped down, bumped down when I would think of and discover more songs. Um, The biggest challenge I have with it, honestly, for me, is it's almost too on the nose. Too many people have told me this is the quintessential love song. Right. And I'm like, 
No. And if, if you look at my list, it, it, it doesn't jive with the stuff that I think love songs are. I think it's a wonderful song. I think it is the quintessential love song for a lot of people out there. I, I know I'm in the minority on this one. Yeah, I, I I know that feeling. I love the choice, but but I, I don't know. It's one of those songs that's never resonated with me. And here, let me make you feel worse since you were in my wedding party and we had this and everything. This is probably the closest thing to Shanza My song. But just, you know, it's okay. <laughs> but in all honesty, it's not necessarily because of any one incident or anything that, you know, connected us to the song. It's more just of a time and a place and a connectivity because we liked it sort of thing. Well, but that is also the thing too, is this is a song that does connect. People do connect to it. Sure. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I can't imagine how many weddings it's been a part of how many, how many, you know, people from, you know, a previous generation, older people, Steve Mm -hmm. love this song. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? A lot of a lot of uh, weddings also play "Baby's Got Back." I'm just saying that's not on my list. <laughs> Very true. And if you look at my list, a lot of people have never heard some of the songs <laughs> that I'm talking about. So I, I realize I'm I'm kind of Captain Obscure here. All right. <laughs> well, that brings us to the penultimate moment. It is time for Mount Rushmore. And I'm at Rushmore. That's where Kirk and I give you the top four of our list, the best of the best, the ones that are just a little bit better than every other song on our list. But before we do that, let's review our picks number 10 through five. Kirk, what were your choices from 10 through five? Uh, I started at number 10 with Someone Like You by Van Morrison off the Poetic Champions Compose album. Uh, Number nine was a great Beatles tune uh, in my life from Rubber Soul. Uh, number eight was Harvest Moon from the same album, of the same name by Neil Young. Moonlight Serenade by Frank Sinatra, um, his 1966 version of the uh, Glenn Miller classic. Uh, number six was At Last by Etta James, great blues love song. And number five was Your Song by Elton John. It's not my song. I'm pretty sure it's Elton's song, but it is a good song. Um, my 10 through five was uh, Evergreen uh, from the 1970s, whatever, 76 uh, movie, A Star is Born by Barbara Streisand. Uh, Barry Manilow's Mandy came in at number nine. Uh, I honestly love you, uh, which, gosh darn it, I got to say, that could have been number six, number five, number four. <laughs> I love the song. Uh, Livy Newton-John. Uh, number seven, Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. Number six was another Barbara Streisand song, The Way We Were, from the movie of the same name. And number five was the Righteous Brothers classic, Unchained Melody, which brings us to... Number four. And number four for me is a song that was written originally by Dolly Parton, but the song version that I'm talking about was sung by Whitney Houston, and that is I Will Always Love You. Uh, Dolly wrote a great song it's a strong song but whitney made it a monster hit and it's a lot of people's favorite love song um in a lot of people if they were doing this list might have it listed as their number one um i do appreciate it i do love the performance uh whitney's view- voice is great her interpretation of the song is fantastic it's powerful it's uh an amazing interpretation and performance 
uh, was almost a classic from the time that it debuted for the movie The Bodyguard uh, with Whitney and Kevin Costner. It's definitely... And Chris Burt. Yeah, and our buddy Chris Burt, who was a tour guide of us. That's right. Hey, Chris. <laughs> um, it's definitely Whitney's classic song. Uh, it's She's known for a ton of things, but I think if you had to pin it down to one, this would be the song. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's got the build. It's a fantastic love song. Um, I don't have it as my number one, two or three, because maybe it's just been a little too overhyped, but I'm not going to take away from the merits of what it is and her performance and what it says. So I will always love you. Number four, my first song on Mount Rushmore. (sighs) I had a struggle with this song as I'm sure you would. It didn't end up on my list at all because and oh my God, I'm going to get cards and letters. Please send all cards and letters to Steve Hafer at populist.com. <laughs> um, I actually prefer the, the Dolly Parton version because to me, it's more heartfelt. To me, the Whitney version is all about the pyrotechnics, it's about the performance, it's not about the song. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying the Dolly version from I think it was Best Little Warehouse in Texas actually. No, I, to me is much more heartfelt. Yeah, she she wrote as a, as an independent. Uh, whether it was used in Best Little Warehouse, I don't remember it, but maybe it was. But uh, she wrote it as an independent song. I think it was. Yeah, she did sing it in Best Little Warehouse. That's what I remember it from. Because I remember the Bustier <laughs> surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Doesn't that diminish the song then? Because that means she was singing it to Burt Reynolds and yikes. No, she was singing it after he left. I know, but about him. It was it was a longing song. Yes, about him. It was a longing song. And his horrible sheriff's character in that. So yikes. I don't think she wrote it for the movie. I just like the 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 context that it had, the meaning that it had, the the in some ways I kind of like the the underplaying it had. I mean, Whitney's version, don't get me wrong, is a 9.99 out of 10. I just think Dolly's is a 10 out of 10. I I hear what you're saying, and I do love Dolly's version. It's it's just a very different take. It's very sweet and everything, and the, the intentions and the meaning and everything are not lost in that song by any means. It's... I would never, ever, ever say it's a bad version because it's not. It's It's fantastic. However, I th- I just think Whitney just she brought it up and to a different level and her strength in her voice, her strength in her convictions, her strength in her emotions highlights those parts of the songs for me. Um, but I do think people go a little too far with it on everything. And so that's why it is not in the upper echelons of Mount Rushmore for me. OK. All right. But a great choice. It's a great song. E- either version is a great song. So let's get to your first pick of Mount Rushmore. My first spot on Mount Rushmore is not only a great love song to me, it's all also very critically acclaimed as one of the greatest rock songs ever. And it's one of my favorite songs. I, I will badly sing it in the shower and in the car and in my office when nobody's there. <laughs> and that is God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. This is a song that is either poppingly haughty or hauntingly poppy, but it's one of those songs that is just becomes part of your psyche. 
Um, it's simple. It's it, it's also wounded love. I keep going back to the various kinds of love that I'm looking at here. This is a wounded love. I mean, any song that starts with, I may not always love you, but as long as there are stars above you, this is a guy that's been hurt. This is a guy that's being defensive. This is a guy that's going, you know what? I may not be, I, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on you. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that human being, you know, but as long as there are stars above you, I will love you. It's got a great melody. It's got just an incredible, incredible hold on people. It's been used in, I can't tell you how many movies, you know, most notably uh, Love Actually for the closing scene where, you know, if you don't cry, you're crazy. I mean, it, it's just one of those songs that brings out that emotion. It's it's a it's a love song of a different kind, and I'm calling on a lot of those in my list. But God Only Knows is one of those songs that once it gets in your psyche, just makes you think. It, it reminds you of love that you've had or that you want, and that's a remarkable achievement. So God Only Knows by the Beach Boys very much on my route Rushmore at number four. And see, this is why I love our podcast because that song wasn't even on my radar, but I do love the song. Um, and I love the way that you just described it. Uh, that was perfectly said. You may have even upped my appreciation for that song more. And I already like that song. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. That's, that's what populist does. That's good. Nice take. I like that. And that's what populist does. That's our next bumper sticker. And you can go to the store and pick that up for only $5, folks. Yeah, that's right. Very good. So that brings us to number three. And Kirk, that was a great take for number four. What is your number three? My number three is almost the antithesis of, of uh, God only knows. Mm. Um, we talked about kind of a wounded love. This is to me, the best lullaby that's been written in the last 100 years. Wow. And that is You Can Close Your Eyes by James Taylor. This is a song that I absolutely was captivated by when I was in high school. That was, you know, 150 years ago. And it's it's a very simple song. It's It's, you know, the lyrics are, oh, the sun is surely sinking down, but the moon is slowly rising. So this old world must still be spinning around and I still love you. I mean, I used to sing this to my nieces and nephews when they were going to sleep. And the lyrics continue to be, close your eyes. You can close your eyes. It's all right. I don't know no love songs, but I can't sing the blues anymore. But you can sing the song, and I can sing the song, and you can sing it when I'm gone. It's it's a gift. It is just very sweet words that lets these people know, I care about you. Here's something I'm singing to you. I want you to carry it. I want you to carry it on and give it to the next person. It's a lullaby. It is incredibly sweet. It is a song that I have associated with some of the most important people in my life. And so I could not not put it on this list, and I could not not put it in my top four. So it's You Can Close Your Eyes by James Taylor. If you've never heard the song, it's on the album Mudslide Slim, 1970 with has a bunch of other great songs on it. Like you've got a friend and fire and rain. Give it a listen. It's a tremendous song. I need to hear that one. I'm sure I've heard it, but I need, I need to listen to it. That's a, that's another good one. It, it It's not one of those songs that gets played on FM. Yeah. You know, James has got 
you know, half a dozen songs that get played. It 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 is a very, 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 very deep cut. Yeah. But it is one of my favorite songs of all time. Because on that album, those other two songs are the ones that get played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. But you can close your eyes. And all you hip cats out there, you'll know the song I'm talking about. <laughs> nice. All right. My number three is, as we said when we initially described this show a couple months ago, saying love songs could be from any medium, here I go. The theater major strikes. Uh, this is a Broadway tune. It is from the musical Les Miserables, and it's called On My Own. It was sang by a character Eponine. Uh, it is, in my mind, maybe the best song in the show. It is entrancing. It's uh, about Eponine, who's a resident of the street, being in love with a privileged rebel slash student, Marius, and knowing she can never have his love because he loves another. Marius knows her, they're friends, but she's never going to get the love that she wants. And when she's alone on the streets at night of Paris, she can then have her love affair with him. But it's only in her head. It's only in her dreams. It's her fantasy. It's a heartbreaking story. As she's walking the streets of Paris, she says, "I and I know it's only in my mind that I'm talking to myself and not to him. And although I know that he is blind, still I say there's a way for us. I love him, but when the night is over, he is gone. The river is just a river without him. The world around me changes. The trees are bare and everywhere. The streets are full of strangers. I love him. It's an admission of this thing that she wants so badly. The only thing she has nothing in her life. This is the only thing that she needs and her life would be fulfilled if she had it. And it's never going to happen, but it's not because he's a mean person. It's just, he loves another and she's just not going to attain it. It is so heart wrenching and so beautiful and so powerful. It's so great. If you haven't heard it, it's from Les Miserables. The song is on my own. Act two, Francis Raffel. And again, this is why I love doing this podcast with you because you've got the theater background and you can call up things like that. That makes me want to go out and get the album and find that track and play it right now because I trust your judgment. And I know that you have such a great theater background and, you know, hopefully our listeners are you know, getting things from both of us as we go through this going, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. I've heard that. And we can go through it. But, but I love the way that you described that. Obviously that was incredibly heartfelt, man. I want to go back and listen to our podcast right now and listen to you do that again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So funny. It's a, it's a great show. That was beautiful. And don't watch the movie to see this song. I mean, the actress sings a song very nicely, but, Tobe Hooper or whatever his name is, uh, who's the directed, he, sorry, in my mind, he butchered the shooting of the song because she is up against a brick wall stationary for almost the whole time it's raining, but she should be wandering the streets of Paris. And as it starts to rain, people are leaving and, you know, going into shelter and she is literally on her own. And then she finds shelter after that. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, anyway, this brings us to, Number two. And my number two is the reemergence of Barbara Streisand once again. <laughs> but she's not alone this time. I told Dude, you. I are love- you taking kickbacks? No. And I've never met the woman. But she's not alone this time. This is a duet. This is the song You Don't Bring Me Flowers by Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond. Uh, 
as I said before, duets bring out a different level in love songs. And this is one of the best sung by two of the best in my estimation. Love both these singers. It's about a love falling apart, but they can both remember how good it was when it was good. They know it's a, a failed project that it's never going to be the same, but they st- there's still love there, even though the love is doomed. Uh, it's heartbreaking, but it is also filled with emotion, and you can see what the love once was way back when. Uh, it was performed live, unannounced actually, on the 1980 Grammy broadcast when she came out from one side, then he came out from the other side, and they sang, and it was electric. And of these types of live performances that you see on, you know, on a broadcast, I'd say with maybe the exception of Michael Jackson singing Billie Jean and moonwalking for the first time after he just did a little medley with the Jackson five with his brothers. This was the most amazing live performance on a broad television broadcast that I'd seen. It was electric. It was connected. It was fantastic. It was heartfelt. It's you don't bring me flowers by Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond. My number two. Interesting. I, I have to admit that song did not cross my radar on this one. To me, that's a very poppy love song and then you can kind of determine my by my list i i kind of steered away from that it's very emotional to me it's um i mean not that it's emotional to me it's is there a backstory no no, no, no. that's not i don't know it came out that way it's the song is very emotional it's very connected okay. it's very about them and uh you know the fact that i saw them sing it on the thing on the broadcast maybe skewed my opinion over all the years but it's I don't know. It's strong. And I, as I said before, I think duets bring something else to a love song that you're seeing both sides of the story and you're feeling both of their viewpoints and their emotions. And it makes the love song even better in my mind. Well, to me, that actually calls back to your last song, which is a very theatrical approach that you've got two performers bringing two different approaches to something, a piece of, of music, a piece of dialogue, whatever it may be. But but you're you're seeing that reactive piece as opposed to just the performative piece. Yeah, and on my own is the direct opposite because it is somebody who is singing about themselves and they're having in their head this love song, but they don't have the other person to do it. Yeah, direct opposite of it for sure. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. Oh, it's a good choice. It's a good choice. Thank you. What is your number two? My number two. I may get a little weepy on here in a minute, gang. Sorry about that. Um. Let's just set it up. My number two is What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Ah, nice. This is a song that means a lot to my family and myself. This is a song that is an appreciative love. It's it's not a I'm in love with you, you're in love with me. This is a love for all things and all people. Um, Louis Armstrong killed it with this song. The, the songwriter, George Weiss, said he wrote the song specifically for Louis because he was inspired by Armstrong's ability to bring people of all races together. This is a song that my family has played at weddings and at funerals and at times that we have gathered as family uh, for the last 20, 25 years. But even before that, this was a song that resonated with me because it was so positive. It was so uplifting. It was just so inclusive that you couldn't help but be brought into it. I've always loved this song. While it is not a love song per se, 
It is about loving each other. It's about loving the world around you. And it's about being kind to the person next to you and the person next to them. And it doesn't matter who they are or what they look like or what they've got going on. We have a wonderful world. There's people out there. Take care of each other. Take care of ourselves. And let's make this even better a world for us. Um, I'm kind of rambling on this because this song just means so much to me, and it's hard to sum it up in in 60 seconds. But um, what a wonderful world is my number two. And, Dad, I love you. Well, it's a it's a great choice. It's a very reflective choice of your family, your dad, all those things. Um, and very apropos for what you said, that you're going for songs that were depicting different kinds of love and everything. Uh, I did not because it's I'm going more for relationship love between you know two individuals and everything. But everything you said is exactly on, and I will say I will go even farther because it, it is one of my 50 favorite songs of all time, period. It's everything you said, but it's also just about, about the world and its wonders and what life brings and love the things that are the simple pleasures. Yes. Love the things that are right in front of you. Love the things that you take for granted. Love the things that are just every day, but are miraculous by themselves. And that's what this song is. And yeah. Louis Armstrong could not have done it better. I can't imagine anybody else singing this song, nor should they try. <laughs> great choice. Great choice. Although Keb Mo did a great version of this. Okay. But it's Louis. <laughs> it is Louis. It's absolutely Louis. Nice choice. Uh, definitely our approaches are different, but you said what it is up front and it fits right in your criteria. I love it. Okay. That brings you to... The Big Kahuna, the top dog, the best of the best, number one. So, Kirk, what is your top dog, your number one? This is a song. It's actually kind of funny. I put my entire list together, and I was shuffling it around, shuffling it around, shuffling it around. I had my number one. I had my number one and all that. And then all of a sudden, this song popped into my head, and I went, oh, my God, of course this is my number one. And that's never happened to me. When we've done these, you know, we we kind of know what our lists look like. And if if something pops up, it's a seven or a six. I've never had a case where the thing that I forgot ended up being my number one. But that is the case here. And that is a song called Have a Little Faith in Me by John Hyatt. Oh, wow. This is a song that I absolutely fell in love with in 1987. Um, we were tour guides at that time. We were going through the first couple of years of being a guide. And in, in LA, there are a couple of stations, KCSA, uh, KNX FM. And that's where I heard a guy by the name of John Hyatt for the first time. And the song that I heard was have a little faith in me. And I was going through you know, my trials and tribulations with the you know, opposite sex just going, you know, why or why not? Or why could, and it's like, you know, have a little faith in me. This can happen. And it just absolutely resonated with me. It is a pure love song. It is very straightforward. It is actually a song that he wrote as he was coming out of drug addiction to his wife to say, have a little faith in me. I'm coming back. I'm going to be here. And the sad part is he was, as he was recording, this is a big kind of 
orchestrated tune in Nashville, his ex-wife committed suicide. And he stripped the entire song down and made it just a simple piano version of it as a tribute to her. And it's a very sweet, powerful, strong song. But I will always remember it as that one song that I heard, listening to the radio late at night, discovering this artist and hearing this song that just described love to me perfectly. Have a little faith in me. If you have faith in me, I will have faith in you. We got this. And to me, that's the most straightforward line in a relationship. So have a little faith in me. John Hyatt is my number one. Cool. like that. I remember uh, when you were subletting a condo from a mm -hmm. first AD from uh, your show yep. Earth 2 way back when. And Earth 2, yeah. Yeah. And you, we were there doing one of our nights of a few glasses of whatever. And you were turning me on to John Hyatt for the first time. And this was one of the songs that you played. And uh, I remember that all the stuff that you play, there was about a half a dozen John Hyatt things. I was going, wow, this guy's really, really good. I, I really love. He's great. Yeah. I love the sincerity. I love the thought to it. I love the connection that he has with just every man. It's, it's some nice stuff. Uh, so interesting. Very. This is a very. Kirk choice. Um, it's a very Kirk list deep tracks. No, it's a deep tracks Kirk choice yeah. because it's not a it's not a James Taylor. It's not a Jimmy Buffett. It's not a you know whatever. It's uh, not that you necessarily would for love songs, but it's uh, it's nice. Good job. Good job. My number one is a very Steve choice. <laughs> Where you thought Les Miserables might have been the only Broadway representation here? <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, number one is saved for the penultimate Broadway love song. The penultimate love song, obviously, in my view, it's the song Tonight from West Side Story. Uh, 1957 stage production, 1961 film. Um, sung by a lot of people. <laughs> On screen, it might have looked like Natalie Wood and Richard Brimer, but it was really sung by the incomparable Marnie Nixon, who doubled so many people's voices. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Bryant in the movie. And then Carol Lawrence and Larry Kurt did the original uh, Broadway stage production. This song, it has amazing melodies. Check. It has fantastic lyrics. Check. It's a duet. Check. <laughs> so it meets a lot of my criteria right there. And it's from the musical based on the great love story of all time, Romeo and Juliet. So of course it's my number one. It's the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet, but it's West Side Story. It, it's New York. It's on a fire escape, but it is about their newfound, deeply seated love. And they recognize the importance of this moment at this place and where this newfound love is going to take them and the wonderful future that it's going to bring for them. Their hopes, their dreams, the promise of a wonderful future. It's all in this song. West Side Story has a lot of, there's a lot of great love songs. Uh, the song Maria, the song One Hand, One Heart. They are both things that I considered. But this song tonight, tonight won't be just any night. Tonight, there, you know, we know Morning Star. It's so great. It is the perfect love song in my mind. It is Leonard Bernstein music. It's fantastic. It is my number one. That is an awesome choice. You know, I have to admit, I didn't even look to Broadway. I mean, I was I was trying to be hip and cool and do the deep track thing with 
with Neil and Van Morrison <laughs> and, and John Hyatt. Uh, I didn't even think about Broadway. Um, but you're right. Tonight is nor what I expect you to. Uh, well, but you know, I'd like to think I'm hip enough and smart enough to think there's more than just the rock and roll stuff that we're talking about. No, you are, but that it's, it's such a great choice and, and you're absolutely right. It's, 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 you know, based on Romeo and Juliet based on, on, you know, the time honored tradition of, you know, will they, won't they get together kind of thing. By the way, if you really want to feel old, Moonlighting is 40 years old this year. <laughs> Speaking of will yeah, they, but, won't they? Yeah, but I love those love songs from that song. What? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, I, I love that you looked outside of just the normal, normal stuff. Um, like I said, I, I, you went, you went sideways. I went deep. You went sideways. And that's why I think <laughs> the show's great too, because we, you know, again, the over under on being 0.5, I, you know, thank God we took under on both. I don't think we had a common, a common song no. or obviously one that matched either. Very interesting stuff. Good list all around without patting ourselves on the back. I think this is one of the most quintessential populist episodes of what I and you had always dreamed it would be. This is, this is what it is. That's good. Well, it, it's absolutely the most subjective episode we've done. You know, this is the song. These are the yeah. songs that Kirk and Steve think are are the best ones. They're not necessarily yep. a, you know, global unified. Let's vote on it. Yes, they are top ten lists. Yeah. Hopefully, these are two top ten lists that people will say, okay, you know what? There's a couple interesting ideas on both sides. Let me give it a try. Yeah, and that's what season three is all about. Where we said we're going to change it up and we're going to be much more subjective because we've always present our logical facts and everything, what we think should be the top tens on seasons one and two, but we're taking a little detour on this one, but it should be fun. Good job, buddy. We're being vulnerable. We're opening our own opinions here. And if that doesn't work for season three, we'll bring back the next generation cast. <laughs> nice. The big chill version 15. All right. <laughs> exactly. Klingons. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to Unlisted, the sequel. And Unlisted, the sequel is basically our honorable mention. And as I mentioned before we started our list, there's a crap ton of songs that I could mention. How much time do we have? As I I know, I'll start it off just saying that because I mentioned there was 14 songs, you know, that were stuck for two weeks on my list. And so to start with, those four songs were... Uh, Lady by Kenny Rogers, which I've always loved, and I, I think it's cool, and his smoky, gravelly voice is great. Uh, the 50s song, or late 50s, early 60s, I Only Have Eyes for You from the Flamingos. Uh, love that song, too. Very sexy, haunting, love it. Uh, Endless Love, uh, a more obvious choice. Lionel Richie and Diana Ross, but still a very good song. Uh, Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis. Love that song as well. Other things that were not of that 14, uh, Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Hello Again, Neil Diamond. Longer by Dan Fogelberg. I'll Be There by the Jackson 5. Hello, Lionel Richie. Always on My Mind by Willie Nelson. At Last, which you mentioned, by Etta James. If by Bread. Always love that song. Uh, the Last Time I Felt Like This by Johnny Mathis and Jane Oliver. What about you? I'm not going to go nearly as deep. I I I, I knew that I had about a thousand. Oh, sorry, songs. sorry. Just to 
Sorry, just to shut you up also, something by George Harrison slash the Beatles. That was on my almost list also. <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of, I'm not going to say relieved. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you didn't put that on there because I know you're such a sucker for that song and for, for Harrison that, that, that you didn't put it on there. Love that damn song, but nope, it didn't make the cut. Good for you. Good judgment. Um, like I said, I could I could sit here and go for the next twenty minutes on songs that didn't make it. Um, but the the big ones that stood out for me were uh, "Have to Say I Love You" in a song, Jim Croce. I wanted to find a place for that song. Nice. I think Jim Croce is one of the most underrated performers of the seventies and in music in general. And I wanted to find a place on there. Just give him a soapbox. Um, if I was, when I feel the same way, like I said, that song or time in a bottle, either one, I just great stuff. I mean, I wish people would listen to more of his albums and the deep cuts as we talked about, than just the stuff that hit the FM radio. I, I mean, or even AM radio. I, I think he's a genius. What was the uh, Gordon Lightfoot song that almost made my list too? Um, Ah, if you could read my mind. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Great song. No, it's, it's, it's another, it, that's another great song. Um, uh, our house by Crosby, Stills, Nash and young, much better than our house by, by madness. Yes. <laughs> Whole different song. Yeah. That's why I said it very quickly just to make sure we, we were very clear on, on, on our house. Um, you know, if we're going to, like I was talking about different kinds of love. Intellectual love, bridge over troubled water. Oh, by Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, I will be your bridge over. I mean, it's a it. Technically, Kinda. it's a love song. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's all about I will support you. I mean, that was it. I mean, I like I said, I could have either done four songs or four hundred. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. I heard it in a love song by by Marshall Tucker. Um, you know, Fire on the Mountain by the Grateful Dead. I mean, there's so many yeah. things. Go listen to. Always on my mind again by Willie Nelson. Never on my radar. And is going, damn, this is good. <laughs> this is this. It almost made me a list. You know, I I don't disagree. And if if I can if I can recommend a Willie Nelson album where he did a bunch of covers, including um, Graceland, including uh, Don't Give Up by Peter Gabriel. Yes. Oh, that was another one. In your eyes. Yeah. By Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choice. I wanted that to make my list. I wanted it to make my list. It just mainly because too, that's a song that we share from our era. Yeah. But it for me it just suffers a little on the emotion. It's which is the problem of a lot of the newer love songs. Because Perfect from Ed Sheeran. There's Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls. There's, you know, songs by Matchbox Twenty, which are newer, and they're really really good but i think in 10 years they become even better they just gain some legs there's a song called every other weekend what's it which is a duet between uh reba mcintyre and kenny chesney it's such a great love song but it's so freaking sad it's every other weekend because they're divorced and they're exchanging the kids at a parking lot every other weekend for custody but they're still in love with with each other, but they don't know how to say it. It's amazing. Uh, listen to it. If you haven't heard it, look it up. Great song. If I can throw one more in then too, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in my, my dear friend and friend of the podcast, Steve Vincent Williams, uh, his award-winning song. I'm moving on. 
Oh, nice. Is an incredible song about a love gone wrong and how he recovered from it. And it is, it is one of the songs that has been a North star for me for the last 20 years since I've known the guy. Nice. And uh, if you haven't heard it, Rascal Flatts recorded it. It was song of the year in uh, 2001. David was the songwriter of the year uh, because of that song. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is a song that will tug at your heartstrings. Well, D Vincent Williams and Rascal Flats. That's enough of a pedigree right there. So yeah, go look it up. There you go. All right. Good job, buddy. That was fun. Um, and it was fun. We've conquered love songs and next episode we will be, uh, talking about basketball because, uh, with March madness wrapping up and the, uh, NBA playoffs coming up soon. We will be talking about the top 10 basketball players of all time. Will LeBron James uh, taking the all-time scoring title? Does that put him uh, on the top? What about uh, MJ, Bird, Wilt, Magic? Lots to discuss on that show. What do you think? I think it's not only going to be a fun topic with a lot of great conversation, but what's going to make it even more special is you are going to be here on the East Coast, and we're going to do this one face-to-face. Ooh, face-to-face, meaning uh, fisticuffs or lots of beers in close contact? All of the above. (laughs) Never fisticuffs. You're wrong. Only beers and maybe some bourbon and scotch. Okay, all of the above. I'll just keep saying that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so that is most likely that will be the next thing, uh, we Kirk and I've been talking about and maybe another two guys in a bar episode. So maybe we'll throw that in there, but it's going to be one of the two things. So anyway, keep you on your toes. Make sure you check in on what's going on with us and listen to the next episode. Thanks everybody. We really appreciate you listening. Keep the feedback coming. You can find us where you can get all of your great podcasts. And that includes Apple, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn. Uh, wherever you get your quality podcasts. And we are a member of the Buzzsprout community. That's right. If you want to listen to us on Buzzsprout, you can find us there at populist.buzzsprout.com or at Facebook at facebook.com slash populist or uh, occasionally on Twitter at populist underscore pod or at Insta at populist pod. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We love each and every one of you. We're going to try to be a little more consistent than we have been lately, but it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy year. Hang with us. We're going to try to give you good content, and we love you and appreciate you. And Kirk, love you and appreciate you, my friend. I will always love you. (laughs) There you go. All right, everybody. Be good. Until next time. Be good, everybody. Love each other. Take care. Catch you later. See ya. See ya.